Welcome, Panthers, to our second episode of We Are 105. Here with me today, I have Nancy and Heather from PCOE, which is the Placer County Office of Education, and my co-host, Austin Bradley. Today, we're going to be talking about the effects of vaping, some coping mechanisms, and other things related to that. We Are 105. So vaping has become like a huge issue for teenagers across the country. Can you tell us what you think leads teens into vaping, knowing that there are dangers involved? Sure. A lot of it has to do with peer pressure and trying to fit in at this age. Middle schoolers are going through a time of adolescence and individuating where they're figuring out who they are, what kind of person they are, what kind of group they want to fit into. And they're just trying to figure out who they are and what kind of interests they want to continue with going forward. So a lot of it is just trying to be cool. Um, We also know it's a time of risk-taking and rebellion, which is normal at this age. You're trying to, you know, figure out how to make good decisions. And so sometimes kids, unfortunately, end up making unhealthy choices and they get into vaping. You always hear vaping is safer than cigarettes. Can you address the accuracy of this? Well, um... There is, the short answer is, we don't know. The long answer is, it took us about 60 years to figure out that cigarettes were actually very, very harmful to our bodies. Um, You know, cigarettes started being very popular in the 1920s, and then it was the 1960s before it erased any red flags, but it wasn't until the 1980s where scientists were able to come back and say, hey, cigarettes are really bad for you. They're causing cancer, lung illness, and just a long list of issues. And the only reason we figured that out is because people had been smoking cigarettes for 40 plus years. When it comes to vaping, I mean, vaping wasn't really introduced even to the United States market until maybe early 2000s, 2010s. So really, we don't have that long-term data to say, positively say that they're safer. Um, What we do have, though, is 10 years or so of data, and we are already seeing negative effects in the health of um, those who are vaping. We have seen... um, long illnesses related to vaping, we are seeing high, really, really high levels of addiction. So the short answer is we don't know. We can't positively say that, but it's not looking good uh, as of 10 years. When cigarettes were around for 10 years, there wasn't any health effects yet. So I think the more people experiment with these um, devices, the more we're going to find out, but it's not looking good for them. Right. It's kind of like uh, just it's an e-cigarette, so it's very similar to an actual cigarette, just easier for other people to access, and they think it might look cooler, I feel. It's it's very similar in the sense that it delivers nicotine. However, um, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, um, it's very different because the chemicals are very, very, very different. When we talk about the chemicals that are found in cigarettes and combustible cigarettes that are negative, we're talking about um, pesticides and fertilizers and stuff that is in the tobacco leaves. And the combustion of it, of it, you know, of it all is what creates really toxic smoke into your lungs. However, when we're talking about e-cigarettes or vaping devices, we're talking about chemicals that are in the flavors. We're talking about diacetyl, formaldehyde, um, lead, tin, nickel, things that like 
the FDA would never allow um, humans to put into their bodies, American citizens to put into their bodies. However, these companies somehow found a way to do this, and we're putting this into our lungs, which is arguably one of the softest tissue inside the human body. So similar in a sense, but very different chemicals. Advertising and appealing to the youth has been a huge problem, just as it was for cigarettes back in the 50s. What is being done about these companies targeting the youth? Well, I think the biggest um, cautionary tale of these uh, advertisements is Juul, a company that very popularized all of these devices in, back in 2018. Um, they made this huge campaign using um, really young people, making it look really, really cool. They have faced multiple, multiple trials and um, court um, cases where they, it, it was proven that they themselves targeted youth people, young people, I'm sorry, um, and they have had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to states, to school districts, and to other um, public health agencies because of this. So um, it is the hope that other companies are seeing this and they are deterred from um, advertising to young people if they don't want to lose that much money. Yeah, you would think some companies would have better strategies of like, oh, we want to earn money. Oh, wait, this, wait, 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 wait. We're going to lose the money from trying to make the money. So minorly problem lag. Hopefully, yes. I mean, these companies have, you know, they've been in business for many, many years. We're talking about the same tobacco companies that created cigarettes. So they're not afraid of using money for marketing. I mean, I think back in 2019, it was reported that they um, – spent over $9 million just in marketing, marketing alone. So they're not that afraid. So we're hoping, I mean, there are laws and regulations that say they're not allowed to um, advertise these products in any place where um, young people might see them. There are laws to say even posters are like Walgreens or CVS pharmacies that, you know, sell these products, they have to be at a certain height. They, they can only be so many advertisements. However, there is no, there's not enough funding for people to go out and um, police this, per se, right? Like who's out there checking every Walgreens in town, saying, okay, I count one, two, three, four. Oh, you got two, one too many, right? So it's, it's mostly those bigger um, advertisement campaigns that, are, that we know are reaching, especially now with the use of um, um, influencers, social media. There's no regulations for that, right? There, we're very early on in that, in that advertisement market market. So it's something's being done. Um, we hope it's enough. And with that, I will send you into our sponsors. We are 105 and Gems TV would like to thank our platinum and gold level sponsors this year. Platinum level, Tamalu Studios, Morel Events, Far West Rentals, Sierra Pacific, and Police Athletic League. Gold level, Empire Gymnastics. We thank you for your sponsorships. Vaping is known to be highly addictive. Can you explain why st or can you explain to students what makes this happen and why the and what they should be aware of? Yes. So 99.9% of vapes do contain nicotine. And we know that nicotine is a very highly addictive chemical. Um, there's a lot of false advertising out there claiming that some vapes don't have nicotine the vast majority of them do, and they contain high amounts. So we know that, you know, in a normal pack of cigarettes, there's 20 or so cigarettes. In a one pod or one vape pen, 
it can be the, the same amount as about 40 cigarettes. So kids have this idea that, oh, it's just one little pod that I'm vaping, but it's really the equivalent of smoking about 40 cigarettes, which is a ton of nicotine. Um, we know that nicotine goes to your head in about 10 to 20 seconds. So it's a very quick effect that they feel, kind of that buzz. And in order to keep that level of um, that buzz feeling, you have to vape. You have to keep hitting the vape very frequently. So kids find themselves needing to continue to vape like every 15, 20, 30 minutes just to feel good. Um, we also know that vaping, the nicotine um, stimulates the release of dopamine in our bodies. Dopamine is that natural feel-good chemical, which usually is created with natural things like Maybe you get an A on a test and you're super excited about that or you're eating your favorite food or you're just hanging out with friends and that good feeling is naturally produced. But what happens with nicotine is it also stimulates the release of dopamine. So suddenly you depend on the nicotine to give you that feeling and it's harder to achieve that feeling just from natural things in life. So that's where that addiction begins. Yeah, it's almost like they build up such a, not immunity, but such a tolerance for it that they end up needing more and more and more because, oh, suddenly it's not enough. Exactly. So vaping obviously isn't just in tobacco form. Can you let us know other substances that users might get exposed to? Well, um, in recent years, and I'm talking about maybe five years, um, users were starting to um, modify their vapes to use um, cannabis in it. Um, this resulted in a lot of medical issues, um, and it also opened up a market. And now there are vape devices that deliver um, cannabis products. There are other forms of tobacco, um, you know, that also are tied to vaping and using um, e-cigarettes, um, but really the dangers of vaping cannabis is, I would argue, greater than vaping uh, tobacco because it's even newer. It's um, There is no way for people to positively say how much cannabis an, an user is ingesting by using a um, vaping device. So there is a high risk of um, ingesting too much. There is a high risk of um, landing yourself in the hospital. So I know that uh, cannabis can also be used for like helping medical needs like cancer and other things. What's the difference between that and smoking cannabis through like vapes and things? Well, um, there are there's a lot of medical research that says that it's helpful. I mean, the difference is that when you are using this for medical purposes, you probably are talking to professionals about it. You're probably talking to your doctor. Your doctor's probably... Um, monitoring the, the changes that are happening in your body, monitoring the amounts that are going to your body. Um, the, the truth is, uh, with vape devices, if, if it delivers that much more nicotine than cigarettes, we can safely deduce that it's delivering that much cannabis to your body too. So this, the levels are simply unsafe, and you're not monitoring anything. You don't have any professional monitoring that for you, right? So it's a, it's a greater risk. So it's more unsafe because you can't really control how much you're intaking. You don't know how much. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing I was going to mention was the adolescent brain or anyone's brain is still developing until about the age of 25. And so it's really unsafe to be experimenting with 
vaping or cannabis before that age. Not that we want to experiment with it at any time, but um, it's more harmful on the brain that is still developing. And so the medical marijuana that you hear that's used and prescribed under a physician's care is often going to be for people who are older than 25 because they know that the brain is still developing. Yeah, it can have very harmful effects when your brain is still developing because then you're messing with how it's functioning and you know, the dopamine rush, especially with e-cigarettes, is very, oh, you learn to depend on it and you haven't even thought through, like, your brain can't fully process how, like, what it's doing and things of, like, the intake of getting the dopamine rush versus naturally getting it versus all the other things can get it all messed up and confusing. That's right. Yeah, it affects... Uh, um things like learning, memory, um, mood, like irritability, things like that. But I think in the long term, it, it really affects your ability for your brain to build new synapses. So every time you learn something new in any class, every time you're scrolling through your Instagram that you learn um, new information, it's stored somewhere in your brain and a new synapse is formed. When you're uh, introducing substances at an early age, you're kind of slowing that process. And your learning and your ability to uh, remember things um, it becomes harmed through that process. Yeah, I know that also with some people, it, marijuana especially acts differently with different people. And I know some uh, some people are more sensitive to it and it'll cause them like major paranoia and things, which can also be very harmful, I feel. Yes, yeah. So that's what I was talking about when I say like it can land you in the hospital. Yeah. Um, it can cause paranoia on some people. It can cause uh, like vomiting uncontrollably for long periods of time. Um, so it is very dangerous. You know, as you guys know, many students turn to vaping to help cope with like stress, you know, oh, I can't, this school's, school's just going too hard on me right now. Like what are some other healthy alternatives students can use that are not called vaping, marijuana, anything like that? Good question. We talk a lot about that with students. It's a good question. Um, we encourage kids to try to find some form of exercise, whether they're in a sport, or maybe it's just like taking a hike, taking a walk, getting outside in nature, um, reading, listening to music, creating a, um, a playlist that of songs that you like. Um, sometimes it's just having a fidget handy, something to kind of keep your hands busy. So that's always a good alternative. Maybe journaling. If you're into writing, you can keep a journal about how you're feeling, how you're doing, how you're quitting is going if you're on that path of trying to quit vaping and even just you know making regular times to get together with friends and hang out maybe go get coffee or boba just something to keep you busy and something that's a healthier choice than vaping what other info do you think is important for middle schoolers to know about vaping and the different uses and coping skills i would like them to know that if you experimented and you're having trouble um, stopping, that there are resources out there for you, that there's people that really want to help. Um, the California Smokers Helpline has completely changed in the past two years to add vaping and to specifically help youth with it because we know that it's just different. There's too much nicotine and um, we need you know, spe special res resources for young people that are trying to quit. I also want them to know that... Um, there are so many more things that you can do, so many positive things. There's there's help. We know that this generation, um, there are reports that have come out 
that say that this generation is experiencing large amounts of stress. So I would encourage them to use their resources, um, go out and ask, you know, ask for help, ask for resources, talk to a trusted adult. I know that you guys have wonderful resources here on campus. You guys have um, a wellness center. Um, I would encourage them to, you know, just tap into those resources. If um, you are wanting to quit or there is uh, help, you can talk to your medical professional. And you can also just Google Kick It California and you would get a um, specialized person one-on-one coaching to quit vaping. Anything you want to add, Heather? I would just add that even if you have experimented with vaping, it's not too late to stop and reverse that damage and continue forward with making healthy choices and that your brain will continue to develop healthily. And so if you need help, like Nancy said, reach out to a trusted adult, but don't feel like you're already too far gone so you can't stop. There's always hope in we would just encourage you to try to get help with quitting. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Nothing. We, um, we just really want to thank you for giving us this space and uh, congratulate you for creating this podcast and all the work that you guys have done. This is amazing. Yeah, of thank course. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us and for giving us a chance to talk about this important topic. Well, a big thanks to Nancy and Heather for coming to talk with us today about the effects of vaping and some different coping mechanisms and quitting resources. We really appreciate your time. Hello, Panthers, and welcome back to We Are 105. This roundtable is on multi-sport athletes, as I am here with. And go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, hello, I am Julian. I do martial arts and gymnastics. Um, hi, I'm Micah. I do soccer and volleyball. Hi, I'm Taylor Butler. I do basketball and volleyball. I'm Brett Rager. I do baseball, basketball, and football. I'm Zach Mosby. I do basketball and football. Right, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. As we will start us off, can you tell us about the sports you play and the time commitment that comes with them? Um, soccer takes a lot of time because I do goalie and forward, so I have a lot of goalie training and I have a lot of like forward training. Volleyball is just a lot of like technique and stuff. Um, I think the time commitment is difficult because there's a lot of like there's a lot of different positions and you have to learn how to play all of them to be good. So then you have to take a lot of time out of your day. Uh, Zach. Uh, the time commitment is, like, a lot because sometimes my sports overlap and they're all after school, so. Uh, Julian? Um, wait, what's the question? Um, can you tell us about the sports you play and the time commitment okay. that comes with it? Uh, the time commitment is kind of hard because every single time I try and do either one, I'm there for four to six hours. All right, so... As a student athlete, how do you balance sports and school to make sure you have enough time for both? It's tough because I have to travel a lot and say we have to we have a test to study for or we have homework. And uh it's just tough. Uh typically I set a lot of times for uh school and for martial arts or gymnastics or whatever sports I'm doing. Um, usually in the morning, I usually plan out when I have sports, so I kind of just plan out my day, and then I just follow that plan. Um, I feel like it's good to communicate with, like, your teachers and stuff, and then 
you like set times and, and alarms and keep like a good routine. I think that makes it easier. If I have a game, I'll like do some homework before it or after it. If I have practice, I'll just do it after. Yeah, because y'all should do your homework. <laughs> All right. So, what pressures do you feel playing so many sports at once? Um, we'll go with Taylor first. Um, I think it's difficult, but I think I think wait. I think it's difficult to like manage all of them, but if you could use a good routine, you communicate with people, it makes it easier. Um, the pressure is sometimes it really gets to you, sometimes it's not there, and sometimes you just, I don't know. Julian? Um, mostly just the injuries, really. Mostly just the injuries because one day I'm getting thrown, the next day I have to fling myself and I'm right next to a wall for it. So, yeah. <laughs> what advantages do you think there is playing multiple sports instead of focusing on one? Yeah, sure. Starts off. Um, I think a lot of different skills overlap. You have to be well conditioned for like a lot of sports, so it makes it easier if you do one sport just to start doing another one because a lot of the skills overlap. Anyone? It's up for grabs. Who wants to go next? I'll do it, I guess. Um, another advantage is, we, just like Taylor said, the advantages, but uh, but uh, alongside that, uh, certain sports help with certain things, like, say, football and basketball. They both help with hand-eye coordination, so that could help with baseball, in Brett's case. Uh, Zach? What was the question? What are the advantages to playing multiple sports instead of just focusing on a single one? The advantages are, like, if it's football and basketball, you can have a lot of athleticism, train, and have some strength, athleticism, speed. All right, as we will go into our rapid-fire questions, I will ask all of you a question, and then you will just have to answer it based on your sport, okay? First question, what is your fav favorite position in your sport? We'll just go down the line, starting with Julian. Um... I don't really know what to say here. I guess it would be, what's your favorite event? Um, probably uh, floor. All right, Micah? Um, that's hard. I really like goalie and forward, but probably goalie. Taylor? Um, I really like point guard and shooting guard, but I'd say like shooting guard mostly. Uh, either pitcher or first base. I would have to say first base. Shooting guard. What is your biggest achievement? We'll start with Brett. Uh, probably during the summer, uh, I made both select fests. Taylor? Um, probably in San Diego, we went to San Diego and all, like a bunch of teams from like all across the country came and we won second in that, so we were second in state. Uh, we'll go back to Mosby. Probably scoring my first touchdown in my first football season. Julian? Um, probably uh, being able to join the highest-ranked demo team in the country for martial arts. And then Micah to finish us off? Um, probably being D1 in my soccer team and being second in the league. So what is your biggest goal you set for yourself? Uh, we'll start with Zach. Um, to not be afraid of anything. To not to... Noonan's told me, like my coach, uh, he's told me to whenever I get the chance, shoot it. And that's been a problem for me this season, so that's one of my goals. Brett? Uh, 
probably what Zach said. Uh, they'll be afraid to, like, do other stuff. Taylor? I think the biggest goal I set for myself is not be afraid to make mistakes and just, like, go go 100%. And if you make a mistake, it's just about learning from that and not, like, getting super down on yourself. Um, probably to be more aggressive in soccer and to, like, um, don't get down about myself if I miss. Oh, biggest goal to just, yeah, um, same as everybody else, just not get afraid. All right, these last three, I'm just going to rattle them off, and then if you would like to answer them, you can just chime in whenever. What is one sport you would like to try playing? Curdling. Hockey. Soccer. Uh, football. Uh, track. What's your favorite team? Any sport, favorite team? Utah Jazz. Uh, Sharks, hockey. Uh, yeah, Golden State Warriors. Giants. Golden State Warriors. <clears throat> Bandwagon. Uh, what's your favorite athlete? Any sport? Uh, Sharks again, Logan Couture. Shohei Otani. Um, Golden State Warriors, Curry. Uh, John Stockton, Utah Jazz. Brock Purdy. Alright, so that will finish it up for our roundtable as we send it back to Alex. A big thanks to all of our guests today, including Nancy and Heather from PCOE, and our guests for our roundtable, including Julian, Micah, Taylor, Brett, and Zach, and our hosts, me and Tori. And you can tune in for our next episode in two weeks. You can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. Listeners, if you have any podcast ideas or questions, we would love to hear from you. Email gemstv at wpsd.org.